I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth Admission, how the pandemic has people fleeing from San Francisco and how that exodus is an opportunity for others to return. Reporter J.K. Deneen, who covers housing development for us, is here to talk about the people taking advantage of that rare plunging of rents in the city. And while J.K. is here, we're also going to ask him about his other big story this week. San Francisco is moving to start getting rid of all natural gas in homes and businesses as a way to combat climate change. And some people are happy and others are not so happy about that. J.K., thanks for coming on. Sure, no problem, Damien. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I, I miss you. I haven't seen you in, in ages. I know. I miss the newsroom, exactly. right? Um, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that for this story. I The last time I visited the newsroom, just to, to pick up some stuff, I mean, the area in downtown San Francisco is so boarded up. Every time I've been there, it's been more and more boarded up. And, you know, I wanted to start with just asking you to kind of give us a sense of downtown San Francisco. You've written about it quite a bit. And what is the state now of the central part of the city and how it's changed? I mean, yeah, you've really got a lot of it's the office buildings are still pretty empty. I mean, you've got work. You've got Twitter now saying that, you know, permanent that allowing workers to work from home permanently. Square did the same thing. Facebook did the same thing. Google's give employees till July 20 of 2021. Uber, I think, is July Salesforce, August 2021. So you've got an empty downtown. You've got a lot of retail businesses that are closed permanently or temporarily. You've still got you know stores that were boarded up during the election and are still boarded up. And so you've just got a, you know really a sense of a, of an empty downtown. And so many workers have you know not not only have they are they not going to work, they've left the city. Um, and so you have plummeting rents in, in, in much of the city, even as other parts of the Bay Area's real estate market is booming. I mean, 20% increases. Um, Contra Costa County in September was year over year up almost 19% in terms of single family homes. Santa Clara County up 15%, San Mateo up 12%. So you've really got a bifurcated market with, with downtown kind of urban housing, really struggling, rents down as much as 30%, 40% in the kind of core downtown and the new buildings, especially. Um, and so those buildings are, you know, their the rents are, are, are down significantly, but they're also offering in some cases a month or two of free rent or free parking, all kinds of incentives to get tenants to come in. And so it really is an opportunity, I mean, for people who have wanted to live in the city for a while, or who used to live in the city and were priced out to, to come back. So that that is definitely happening. Um, I mean, I think it's very early. And there's also maybe a sense of excitement that maybe several people that I talk to who are moving back feel like they're at the ground floor of, of something new and exciting. Yeah, you wrote a story about how a lot of people were moving to, to Lake Tahoe and uh, real estate prices were going up, up there. And I know there are other places all around the Bay Area and beyond where people have decided they can they can work from home. So we're seeing this sort of mass migration. And the big question seems to be, is something like lost forever for San Francisco, a, a vitality that comes with people working in mass in these towers and, and needing to live and work around each other. And your story about people returning, it seems to suggest that there's still something about the city that people are interested in. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you look historically, you know, over hundreds of years, you know, pandemics have come and gone and, you know, plagues and cities have emptied out and they always bounce back, the great cities do. And so, you know, it's a question, it might not happen for a while. So one of the per people that I interviewed for this story about people moving back to the city is this guy that left San Francisco in 2009, bounced around, lived in LA, and then eventually was able to, to buy a house in Tahoe because it was back when Tahoe was, was much more affordable than it is now a few years ago. And uh, he was, he has a, a, a company He's a real estate guy that works with mass timber, um, you know, sort of he's an innovator. Uh, he's got a startup. He finds it very hard to hire in Tahoe. There isn't the talent that he's looking for. There's not the community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are kind of working on some of the same issues as far as finding a way to, to build, you know, cheaper and faster, affordable housing, multifamily housing. You know, he miss he doesn't like being stuck in the car, which he is all the time in Tahoe, driving his kids around. Uh, he wants that kind of San Francisco urban life. And and even though, you know, right now, Muni and Bart are, are fairly empty and and you know, a lot of the train lines aren't running, he has no doubt that there will be a time when when all that will come back. And so he's actually been looking in Petro Hill and Dogpatch for a, a work live space. And he's been looking for a while. He was looking before the pandemic and everything was five grand or more. And now he's finding places that, that would be suitable for his needs and his family's needs for, you know, closer to 3000. And so he's, uh, he's, you know, ready to sign a lease. He's hoping to, to be um, back in San Francisco by the beginning of next year. Well, we've gotten used to referring to $3,000 as a bargain uh, over the years, but you've also reported on kind of what's driving this in terms of people breaking leases, people, um, landlords sort of seeing the, the tide. I mean, put some, put some more numbers around this. I mean, can we, can we tell how many people are leaving San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, not exactly, but it's true that, um, you know, a survey from the San Francisco Apart Apartment Association found that more than 20% of tenants had broken leases since the start of the pandemic. Um, I mean, that's not particularly scientific, but, you know, several hundred uh, landlords did respond to this survey. Um, so that's a lot. And vacancy rates, the, the same uh, apartment owners association are reporting around 15% vacancy rates. And that's up from, you know, well under 3% uh, before the pandemic hit. So there's tons and tons of empty apartments um, really all over the city and landlords um, really have to have to lower rents and offer concessions. And if they want to get tenants in there, because it's a renter's market all day long right now. So I know it's tough to, to forecast, JK, but obviously you follow uh, things like this. You also follow corporate real estate and, and who is uh, taking out space in terms of companies. I mean, how long do you think this period is going to last? And do you think the future is going to return to to something more familiar? I think it's going to be a long time, actually, a couple of years, maybe. That is probably the most dramatic impact, I would say, of the pandemic is the office market. I just saw a report that San Francisco has 12 million square feet of available office space in downtown uh, alone. That is about um, nine Salesforce towers. That's a lot of space, especially for a market that had really no vacancy uh, prior to the pandemic. 
Um, so you could see, um, you know, rents falling 50% easily. But you know, I think eventually uh, we're, we're social animals. And, um, and I think that working from home will get old, is getting old for a lot of people that I talk to. People are longing for, for that, you know, the community, the kind of the serendipitous um, uh, meeting with the, 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 that leads to the new job uh, or leads to the new startup. You know, Twitter was, was founded by a couple of guys hanging, you know, walking around South Park uh, and South of Market. And so that kind of interaction isn't happening right now. Those, um, you know, random fortuitous sort of connections that people make, you know, aren't, aren't happening. And, and so if we want to get back to being an innovative city, a creative city, I think that that, that, that will, will all eventually come back, but it could take a few years. Yeah, people are getting tired of just running across their spouse in the hallways of their home a couple of times a day (laughs) as they work from separate rooms. Yeah. It's like you again. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to ask JK about the coming end of natural gas, or at least the start of the end of natural gas in homes and businesses in some cities. We'll be right back on Fifth and Mission. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by Chronicle reporter JK Deneen. He covers housing and development uh, around the Bay Area. JK, another big story, uh, moves to get rid of natural gas. For, for most people, I think the initial reaction is to immediately think about their stove and that flame that, that some people love to cook with. Um, but this is a big deal, right? And, and first, tell us what San Francisco did and why it's a big deal. Right. So um, the natural gas ban, which passed unanimously, would basically ban natural gas for um, new buildings starting um, next year in June. And it would not impact existing buildings or, or additions or alterations. So if you have a, a restaurant in Chinatown or, or wherever the mission, um, you, you know, it's not like you have to get rid of your your, uh, you know, six burner gas stove. And in addition, there's a period of where restaurants will be exempt. So if I'm building a new condo building and I have a couple of retail spaces on the ground floor through next June, um, I'll be able to, or until I think it's June 1st of next year, I'll be able to, uh, I'll get a waiver. So I could put a gas hookup in for that, for that space in case I'm able to lease it to a restaurant. Um, so there's a little flexibility there. And then even after that, developers will be able to apply for an exemption. So if, if I'm a developer and I do have a, a retail space uh, on the ground floor of a new building that I want to build, I can apply for an exemption. And, and then so gas would be banned in the units themselves, the apartments or the condos. But I could have a gas hookup in a retail space um, if approved, which would allow for some flexibility. It's so hard to the restaurant industry is suffering so much. And it's it, even before the pandemic, it was so hard to get tenants into retail spaces. I think a lot of developers were, were worried that without that option, um, you know, they would have empty storefronts all day long. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of of sort of getting rid of of wood fireplaces and and people um, building fires in their homes and the and the move away from that. It's something that's that's coming obviously slowly, but give us a little bit of the pros and cons when, when these policies get marched out of having natural gas versus electric in your in your house. Well, natural gas accounts for roughly 40% of San Francisco's overall emissions of greenhouse gases. 
and 80% of, um, I believe, building emissions. I mean, that is, a, that's a lot. Um, San Francisco as a city has pledged to ensure that no new buildings will generate operational emissions at all by 2030. So there's a lot of work to do there. Um, if we do want to, you know, cut emissions and meet those goals. Other advantages are, you know, safety. You remember a few years ago in San Bruno, um, where there was a gas line explosion. I think it killed eight people and, and leveled an entire neighborhood. There's been been other incidents, uh, I think, in, in San Francisco and Geary, five buildings were destroyed in an explosion. So, you know, gas can be dangerous. There's also health implications to natural gas. Exposure to pollutants produced from natural gas can, you know, be de detrimental to health. There's studies showing that natural gas can can lead to various, you know, chronic health issues like asthma in children, respiratory illness, cardiovascular disease, things like that. And so, uh, you know, electrical heat um, is is healthier. But it is natural gas is pretty inexpensive, right? And the backlash has been quite a bit from from restaurants who say we, you know, our cooks really need that that open flame. And I, I believe that's the case in in Berkeley, where where they did something similar a couple of years back. Yeah, I mean, in, in Berkeley, there there was a lawsuit that is still pending in San Francisco. There was some um, resistance from the uh, Golden Gate Restaurant Association. Also, in particular, from restaurant owners in Chinatown, um, who say that electric stoves just won't work. And they're worried that even though they'll be grandfathered in and all existing Chinese restaurants will be able to keep on cooking the way they always have, and they'll be able to apply for an exemption. They're worried that, that there may be um, opportunities in growing parts of the city, like near the Chase Center or um, in, you know, in Mission Bay, um, that, that won't be available to them because of this uh, legislation. So there, there was still some resistance. All right. I mean, obviously, for, for some people, a, a gas stove is very sensitive. But, but also, people you spoke to said that, that they think that ultimately people will get used to electric stovetops. They're not as um, bad as people might think. The uh, technology is improving. Yeah, for sure. One uh, early opponent to legislation was Sean Keegren, who heads up the Residential Builders Association and is a, a, a developer in town. He felt at first that it was going to be expensive and that his customers, the, the people that buy the condos that he built, would, would not be interested in buying units um, you know, that don't have gas ranges. Uh, but the more that he looked into it, the more that he talked to people, he realized that that people are really changing their opinion pretty fast on this topic. I think his his quote was that he thinks that that buyers will eventually expect this. He says that, you know, the mindset of the younger demographics is to want and demand this. You know, he thinks that the legislation is a little bit ahead of its time, but not by very much. And that very soon the whole world will be following this path that natural gas will will be phased out. All right, well, let's leave it there. Thanks, JK. Thanks for coming on again. Thanks, Damien. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter JK Deneen, to Erica Carlos for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>